This podcast is part of the Bad Wolf Network. Visit badwolf.com for information on all other shows. Hello and welcome to episode zero of Running Down Corridors. I'm Martin and joining me this week I have Chris. Hello. And Sam. Hello there. Now gentlemen, what are we doing here? Well, I suppose we're starting a new chapter. We've gone from the classic series to new series. I don't know if it'd be a spin-off, but I suppose what this is is an extended window of the Bad Wolf universe. We're marvelling this bitch, yeah. We are. We are. I'm played by a different actor now completely. And Chris is actually now played by David Troughton. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure who's playing me. But so basically, I suppose, as uh, a bit of an introduction, we have kind of gone on off on a few tangents, shall we say, on the Bad, Bad Wolf podcast. And uh, Bad Wolf is becoming so big, we thought we'd be a bit of a network. And we thought we'd tailor off into this little direction where you know what you're going to get every week. It's going to be us covering Doctor Who, obviously. Uh, there are going to be some reviews of the new series, the latest news, and some classic episodes as well, because we all love a bit of nostalgia. But ultimately, no matter what we're covering, it is ma- mainly going to be Chris and I going off subject while Martin keeps keeps us on reins and brings us back <laughs> brings us back down to earth i'm just gonna keep drinking yeah that's it that's that <laughs> i've been doing bad wolf for about 12 years now i think it's coming up to 13 and although our download figures they're they're good they're pretty good for a podcast you guys know what they are but i'm not gonna put them out there but they're consistent they don't fluctuate up they don't fluctuate down Sometimes that changes if there's a guest, a big guest, like I interviewed the director at Loki, and that one was a huge downloaded episode for us. I think it was Sam that brought this up, is that it kind of felt like our podcast had ADHD. There'd be three months where it's the three of us talking about Doctor Who, and then it'd be me and Jared talking about films from 1982, and then I would just coincidentally book free interviews back to back. So anybody who came on board for any of those things would get really confused and maybe not come back. So what we're doing is Bad Wolf, the podcast, is still going to remain active. That's going to become a just what it was, a film and news and TV discussion show. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to have Running Down Corridors, which is strictly Doctor Who and Tortured and all those expanded universes. And then I'm going to have a separate interview show, which I haven't created yet and don't know what I'm going to call it. But yeah, I was just thinking it, it just makes more sense. Sam was completely correct when he said it might be putting off listeners. And also I got dropped from a lot of PR contact lists during the pandemic because they looked at our website and saw that we'd done nothing but Doctor Who for six months. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, why are you on this list? Because we've still got everything you want, whether it be interviews, coverage of films, Doctor Who, they're just all being kind of nice, nicely sectioned. Basically, it's a bit of a tidy up, isn't it, Martin? Yeah, and everybody that's involved with the Bad Wolf family is still going to be involved, like Jared is still going to be involved with the main podcast. Yep. You guys are still going to come on if there's films that you're interested in mm-hmm. covering. Pete is still going to write stuff for the website and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just we're, we're splitting into a network. So we're going to have the Bad Wolf Network and everything will go up on badwolf.com. So that website stay in the same. You just need to resubscribe to two more shows, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is for, for many people, this might be an introduction. So that gives you a background of where we've come from this isn't it i suppose in a way this is a new podcast but it's not 
like we've not done podcasting before. We've been covering the show in uh, various forms for well, probably been about three years now, three, four years. We've all probably been popping on every now and then to record together. Yeah. Uh, so, but this is a, it's, it's an exciting new chapter, as I said. And I suppose if you are new, we should, we should maybe introduce ourselves, starting with the, the captain, Martin himself. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm the captain. I'm Martin. I live in Surrey. I like pina coladas, but I'm not into yoga or champagne. And how did you get into Doctor Who? I got into Doctor Who. It's, it's something that I've always been aware of it. Like when you grow up in Britain, mm-hmm. especially in like the 80s and 90s when I did, it's kind of entrenched in your DNA. Even though I'd never seen a single second of it, I knew what a Dalek was. I knew, the doc- uh, I knew the Doctor regenerated, and I knew that he traveled in a blue police box that was bigger on the inside. And I knew who Sarah Jane Smith was. But yeah, I, I remember being 14 in 1996 and seeing the trailers. He's a, he's back and it's about time. You remember those trailers? God, yeah. I do, yeah. And, them and thinking, oh yeah, I should watch that Doctor Who show that I've heard people talk about. And then I just forgot about it until 2005. And yeah, it was, it was the 2005 era got me. I've not seen much of Classic Who. I've seen all of the McCoys. But the, the difficulty, I don't think fans of the classic era understand that we had in 2005 is that in 2005 i was still living at my mum and dad's and they were still on dial up (laughs) so i wasn't able to go on the internet and look up what order these stories came in classic stories were coming out in random orders on dvd Mm, so it it was impenetrable for me to get into classic who back then it's slightly easier now with the box sets and stuff but it's been so long i've just never really delved my feet into that pool and so you, you obviously became a fan of the new series in 2005. And then was it 2009, 2010, you started Bad Wolf? And what, what sort of pushed you towards becoming, I suppose, a fan 2.0 and getting involved with the fandom online, creating podcasts, going to conventions, meeting stars of the show? I guess it was just that. It was just the, the appeal of meeting the stars of the show. And we never expected, because we do get unprecedented access to like interviews and stuff like that. And that was never a dream of ours. It was uh, me and my friend Jared. Each of our kids is born six months apart. Mm. So his eldest daughter is six months older than my son. And his youngest daughter is six months older than my daughter. So we just noticed that we were kind of drifting apart as friends. We've been lifelong friends. And we kind of noticed we were drifting apart. Then we realized that at the end of each episode of Doctor Who, we were calling each other and we were talking for about an hour. I just got my first iPod touch you remember when the the Mm. first video ipods came out yeah and back in those days you used to be able to buy classic doctor who episodes on itunes and i remember one day just typing in doctor who to see what will come up and itunes back in those days it wasn't free categories like it is now it was all together so if you lumped in doctor who you got podcasts you got audio dramas you got loads of the stuff and i found i think it what were they called? Doctor Who Online? Doctor Who Online. I found them because I was looking for the free doctors because I'd never seen it. I wanted to watch the free doctors. Mm. And I found a podcast where they were discussing it. And then I just said to Jared one day, there's these podcast things. Because back it, back when we started, like the only people who were podcast were like Kevin Smith and Ricky Gervais. Yeah. And then I, I heard these Doctor Who podcasts where they were just normal people talking about their love of the show. And I was like, you know, these phone calls we've been having, why don't we just do that? 
And we got about Ooh. 10 episodes in and just realized we couldn't stand to talk about Doctor Who for that long. Yeah. So we, we kind of changed the format and that's when we started covering other film and TV. Cool. And then obviously you've, you've, we've kind of stuck with it and me and Chris came on board many years later. And as you mentioned earlier, you, you've spoken to some of the stars of the show. Can you can you give us, you drop a few names for us now? Matt Smith, Stephen Moffat, Karen Gillan, Arthur Darville, Eve Miles, Kai Owen. A lot, a lot of the torture people I've met and mm. uh, kind of had a drink with them, and, and it's been great. And I've made, I've made friends from podcasting, like with you guys. I probably would wouldn't have met you guys well. Oh no, I'm curious about your guys' story because you were both you're both about a decade younger than me. It's even more of a stretch that you guys saw Doctor Who when I didn't. So how did you guys <laughs> discover it? Well, I suppose we'll go over to Chris, who is probably, if you're listening to this and you're kind of aware of kind of Doctor Who Twitter or Doctor Who online fandom, many people be familiar with Chris as being the best, the best, officially, we're going to say officially, the best voice of Patrick Troughton out there. Uh, it's a crime that he's not on bat, uh, Big Finish. But he, you might have heard his, his audio adventures before. He's done other projects as part of Doctor Who as well. So, Chris, tell us, how did you? How did it all start for you? Well, I, I think my dad regrets it now. But I was <laughs> my dad used to like to show uh, various programs when I was about probably old enough to, well, I don't know, I must have, probably since birth, probably tried to put them on whenever he had uh it wasn't sky or anything like a satellite at the time i think it might have been cable or something and he would find, find uk gold and uk gold would put on all f- all sorts of uh, various dramas so you had uh dad's army he tried to get me into that only fools and horses some repeats appeared on tv at the time as well and various different bits and then one morning on a it was a sunday uh sunday morning i must have been about I think I worked out I was about seven or eight. He put Doctor Who on. And it was the John Pertwee story, The Time Monster. And I just remember being captivated by it. And for some reason, I confused it with <laughs> with my mum was watching Doctor Quinn. And I said, it's the, <laughs> I said, it's Doctor Who, the man version. Or, or, or something like that. And uh, then realised my error. Before that, we went to the Museum of Moving Image, which was the biggest Doctor Who collection, you know, exhibition going in I London. remember that place. And uh, I had no idea of Doctor Who at the time. So it was wasted on me. I can't recall. I, I haven't, I didn't go back. We didn't go back. It was, uh, so we went there. There was a Dalek I apparently spoke into as well. And I couldn't recall and I did not see the significance of it until later. UK Gold used to put on the omnibus every Sunday morning, excuse me, every Sunday morning. And then the black and white ones late on a Friday night which my dad would record on VCR for me the next morning. And I'd have this huge collection of all these tapes that I'd draw covers on to, which which was fun. But uh, yeah, when the Daleks came up, my dad said, uh, you you actually spoke into a Dalek, was it? Did I? Oh, at the museum of moving in. That's what it was. Okay, didn't know. But uh, I've been a fan since following it. No one else really knew what it was in, in school. When I went to secondary school, a couple of teachers knew <laughs> of what of it. And I'd have conversations with them. And when Doctor Who came back in 2005, even the lead up to that, me and the t- IT teacher would be talking about Doctor Who. And uh, it's coming back. And everyone then knew about it. And it was it was just nice that for once people knew what the hell I was talking about. And that's how I go into Doctor Who. And obviously going years later, the new series comes in, it becomes you have to call the online fandom and you become well known. I mean, you've got let's just have a quick look, you've got four point two thousand followers on on YouTube and you're very much known for your voice acting. 
Uh, how did you discover you could do voice acting? When I was when I was again when I was very little, I used to put on voices for all, every toy I ever played with. Just so if I do a conversation between two, they they sounded somewhat different to each other. But it wasn't until sort of in secondary school I did. I was always interested in drama and such. But in secondary school, there was uh, I watched Dead Ringers. But that saw Dead Ringers and saw the Doctor Who bits on it and called me in. I can't think of what the sketch was. It might have been Tom Baker, John Coulter as Tom Baker taking the Sea Devil into the into into a <laughs> like a clothes shop to try and find certain outfits. <laughs> but I ended up watching that and I ended up sort of just starting to do impressions of his impressions. And mm. then I started to do impressions of some of the teachers. Mr. Bean was one. I used to do a very good Rowan Atkinson back in the day, but then I, but I've lost that now. But Miss, I could do Mr. Bean, but I can't do Rowan Atkinson. And the rest just all followed from there. The Doctor Who voices, I've always sort of subconsciously picked them up. But I suppose the one that you're really hinting towards is the Patrick Troughton one, which is funny enough coming up to eight years, eight to nine years uh, since I started doing Patrick Troughton. Oh, no, actually, almost almost ten years. Actually, it must be. Yeah, but I, I would say that you were already kind of known on. There was there was I suppose a community very early on of people who would do fan films. And Chris, you will. I am going to call you out here. You were one of the uh, people who, with their college mates, put together a Doctor Who fan film. Correct. I wouldn't say they were college mates, but yeah, definitely with some school friends. I put on a, <laughs> I put on some Doctor Who fan films on Google Video. That's how old it was back in 2000, <laughs> 2005, 2006. YouTube, I did one in 2007, which was called The Final Adventure. I quite enjoyed that one, actually. We, we sort of really, strangely very proud of it. And then I led up, for some reason, decided to do a sequel, which then took about seven years to finish due to loads of complications. And I wish I never began, but it's... Uh... <laughs> well, I don't think you're alone there. A lot of people did that. You know, I've always sort of... I'm still trying to persuade Billy Garrett-John to do... I would love to do a like a parody of mid-2000s fan film like you know set in a school with people just running down corridors you know what I mean? which was basically what it was that's it someone was the master with a drawn on beard oh god yeah we yeah we, we filmed in the school one of my favorite things when i did the because it was basically a, like a feature film was the last one i did called the ultimate conflict unfortunately one of the cast members turned out to be sexually inappropriate so that's not online anymore which to be honest didn't bother didn't bother me really because i had the thing one of the rules that you have of fan f- films is that you you always <laughs> it's a great it's a great cliche but it's so true basically it's made mostly by blokes that were young boys really and they don't really have a companion who's female unless someone they know has a girlfriend and then they ask them to be in it and i made the mistake of including mine at the time in in this film we broke up sort of during the production and I then found another actress and actually refilmed her bits. And one of my, I still think it's impressive. One whole shot involved, like we, we had people, other fan, I got other fan doctors and actors in there from from other sort of fan series and stuff online in the same film playing different characters. And I brought them in from Birmingham. And if they, I was only nine to 18 at 19 when I organized this. It's mental. Um, but it was a, such an arsake. And we brought them all down to Chelmsford. We all filmed with them, uh, with everyone. 
including my ex at the time. Then, of course, I was like, now I've got to reshoot all your scenes. I need to recast. I'm not going to bring everyone back down. So I ended up getting this actor, <laughs> who's a good friend of mine, to stand in. And uh, we filmed her shots <laughs> through some amazing After Effects work. <laughs> I effectively digitally removed my ex from the frames and put her in. And somehow it worked. It's the closest thing to murdering an ex, and it felt <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> there you go. BBC think they had production pro- troubles. Look what they did in 2006, 2007. Genius. Genius. Well, I will tell you another cliche. Sam, you, you'll appreciate this from your love of mm. them, but there was one shot I actually left in. I, I, I could have cut it early, but I didn't. I left it in there, and I thought, <laughs> the cliche that happens in fan films is that they get excited and then go and decide to take the camera off the tripod. What they then forget to do is to remove the tripod from the scene. (laughs) So the tripod is always in there. And there is in one shot a single tripod there. And I was like, no, that's staying in. That's that's (laughs) as as a last tribute. Bear in mind the film finished seven years after it started. So I was 25. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, this is a tribute to days gone past. I'm, I'm, edit- I'm, I'm, I'm essentially editing a historic piece of art. <laughs> or, there you go. Or shit, in my opinion. But, the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, then I moved to audio, which is a much easier piece of uh, piss to do. I would say that's around the time people really discovered that you could do the, the amazing... That's quickly here, Patrick. Tra- Can you give me my favourite line, the calling the capital, please? Calling the capital, calling the capital. It's the doctor speaking. Hello. Oh, there I am. I mean, there you are. <laughs> I mean, what's amazing about that is, is that I, I think it's not only amazing to your average Doctor Who fan, but what was great is that we you talked a bit about him earlier being an influence, but I mean, John Coltrane has gone on record to say, this is amazing. And you and John Coltrane ended up becoming friends. Yes. Yeah, that's very bizarre. What's, what's is interesting is that he did tell me, he did the Five Doctors audiobook, and he was considering, not considering asking me, he was he had my performance in his mind as he was playing Trenton. And <laughs> wow. So, so it's, I, I was sort of, I was an influence into his performance of it. He was like trying to do something different that wasn't me, but it also, yeah, was uh, was sort of channeling me, he said. Which was quite, which was quite the most touching thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, because you said earlier that you were channeling his impressions of Tom Baker. So it's a full circle, full circle. And you've had some. There's been some amazing stuff you've done on there as well. And you've uh, you obviously did your own your own series there. You did this, a couple of Christmas specials as well. I remember a really touching Christmas special you did about uh, Patrick Troughton as Doctor, as the Doctor finding uh, a character on a bridge on Christmas Eve. You recreated the Parkinson interviews as well uh, yes. you've done it and you've done a few sort of sketches as well because obviously outside of Doctor you're still a fantastic Alan Partridge and I've they're some of my <laughs> favorites you doing you, <laughs> I mean, obviously I can't do it it's the Christmas one where you're doing Christmas songs he does and you do that line which is like you throw in these little what's amazing with your impressions you can sort of do these ad-libs of partridge and a lot of people who can do a good partridge they have to do they have to quote the series but for you you were singing i think driving home for christmas yeah and you did this great line where you went top to tail in tail lights it was like yeah tell me about it mate <laughs> it was just a really nice little it, it's a perfect voice to do in any scenario because uh anything you talk about anything at all it, it, it just works like you're driving along and just he goes isn't it 
there's an indicator if you care to fucking use it, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, one of them was, it's it's lonely this Christmas. I gave you my heart and you took it away, you bitch. You know, that sort of thing. (laughs) So Sam, how did you discover Doctor Who? Mine was, again, very, very young. It's still one of my sort of first memories. So what people might not realise is there there wasn't a lot of nostalgia for, for the old for Doctor Who until it was taken off the air, so I'm told. You know, but when it was still on, I think it might be, it would genuinely be the same now. I think now some people roll their eyes at the series still going, but the second it came off, you would have the glory years kind of being celebrated a, a lot more, well, even more so than they are now. And uh, I think back in the early 90s, the show had been off a few years, and so people started looking at the, the glory days. And with the 30th anniversary approaching, they started repeating them, which which I didn't realise till really till, till recently that, that that hadn't been done much before on the BBC they hadn't repeated many of the episodes and not many of them were, were available on VHS and if they were on VHS they were a lot more expensive than your average DVD now or download so I think I remember uh, similar to, to Chris my, my parents would would watch sort of adult telly and let me watch it with them they were quite young when they had me so they were watching things like Bottom and you know Men Behaving Badly and Only Fools and Horses and just letting me watch it um, which is maybe how I sort of got into comedy quite young too. And then fast forward, I was about three years old and my dad said, I'm going to watch my favourite TV show tonight and you can watch it with me. And it was on after Thunderbirds. I remember it was on BBC Two at six o'clock, Thunderbirds, 6.30, a Doctor Who repeat. And of all the episodes I I watched, I think it was something like the final episode or one of the last episodes of The Mind Robber right. was the first one I ever watched. So The Mind Robber is my first introduction into Doctor Who, which for a three-year-old is a real head fuck. I have to tell you, like, it was mad. It was these giant, it petrified me. One, because I don't think I'd seen black and white telly before. Genuinely don't think I'd seen black and white telly before. There was this character I was told was the hero, and he was just this crazy guy running around. I remember clearly the, the bit where Jamie's face comes off, and they have to replace it. I remember Zoe being stuck in the glass. I remember the, the robots, soldiers, and the kids. And for, for three-year-old, I think that probably gave me every mental health issue I have today. Like, <laughs> it was just so mad. And then I didn't like it. I don't think I liked it. I, I found it scary. I didn't like it. And then I remember my dad saying, right, you'll like this one. It, you'll like this one. It's better. It's better. And it was The Sea Devils. So The Sea Devils was the first one I watched from start to finish. And... I and they just went through a, a stage of repeating some episodes. I remember them being quite harrowing. The episodes they repeated. I remember that one coming on. I remember the, the, the demons being shown and being petrified of that, not wanting to watch that after a few episodes. Uh, Genesis the Dalek scared me as well. I only watched a few of them, and it, it wasn't until my uncle, bless him, w- wanted to get me into the show, so he showed me the uh, the TV, uh, not the TV movies, the the sixties movies, the Peter Cushion movies, and I loved them because it was family friendly. It was colourful Daleks. It was adventurous, and I still, you know, I know they're not canon, they're not part of the official sort of Doctor Who timeline, but I really enjoy those early movies because they're just so bright and exciting, and and you know, I do still, I still. To Today would rather sit through Doctor Who and the Daleks than I would the Daleks. As much as an iconic yeah. serial the Daleks is, it's a bit long, and whereas you get a nice cut-down 90-minute version of the story. I still enjoy them, and they're my earliest memories. And uh, it came after that. I just got VHS after VHS for Christmas and birthdays. And I had a similar thing to you, Chris, where being in the ni- kid in the 90s, uh, mm. people didn't really know about it. I think my friends knew I liked it. They knew what a Dalek was. They knew what a, the police box was. But they didn't like watching it. They were into things that I was into, too. You know, I was watching more Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power 
Power Rangers, but in my own time, I'd sit down and watch Doctor Who. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. And then uh, lost interest a bit as I got a bit older. When I was about sort of 12, 13, I lost lost interest. And I remember when the show came back, my mum and dad being like, you know, oh, you, look, that, the program you loved, you know, Doctor Who's back. I was like, I'm like 16. I don't care about Doctor uh, Who. And they were like, it's got this actor in off that program you like. It's Christopher Eccleston. He was in The Second Coming. You like that? I was like, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't care about that. And I'm a dad, well, we're going to watch it because it was our favorite program when we were little. Uh, and I ended up watching it with them and I was hooked. I thought it was great. And then what I loved is a lot, a lot of people started watching it. And the, the more popular it became, the more uh, interesting it became. You know, when I was at university, everyone watched it. I seem to remember New Year's Day 2010, about sort of 12, maybe actually 15 people hung over in our living room in the house uh, we lived in at uni, all sat around watching Doctor Who and all like, everyone had to be quiet. It was like, David Tennant's going to die. We have to watch this. This is really important. I remember thinking, this validates my whole childhood. All the way through my childhood, I'd like, do you want to watch Doctor Who? It's really good. They're like, no, no, that looks old. No, I don't want to watch that. No, I want to watch Bicomise from Mars or whatever. And I just went everyone was watching I was like yes this is and because I, I never understood why it was off I used to say to my parents you know what, why is Doctor Who not on anymore and their only answer was because it's not don't know and I just couldn't understand how this show that was basically the television equivalent of Let's Play Pretend yeah, wasn't yeah. on telly and I thought this even as, a, as an adult you know well teenager I thought this this has potential when it came back I thought I know this is going to be popular and it came back and it was and people still love it and it's become you know it's a huge fandom across the world and although I've not been as involved as you guys I have done bits and bobs before I've had the uh, the, the privilege of emceeing the We Are Cult live events where I've seen Chris and your guys from the We Sound Familiar podcast great fun doing Doctor Who sketches and things like that with their impressions mm. got to meet you know people who were involved with the with the, the Blu-ray collection the Review of Death guys so I've been you know involved in like, and similar to this as well I've become friends with you guys I've become friends with Matt, Matt and Billy and it's it's, it's really nice it's a, there's a nice little community and, I, and there is I think a similarity of kind of the guys I've become friends with are people who kind of we're all around the same age we all kind of came about at the same sort of time and we all kind of remember the or at least an element of the the wilderness years so that's my introduction and here i am now on a podcast talking about it and it's it's great fun all right and i'd say for an introductory episode we'll leave it there we're coming up to the 30 minute mark so we will be back in the next episode talking about legends of the sea devils 